welcome. Thank you for tuning in. If you've been supporting us through these first few episodes, we're so grateful to you and we hope you've taken something away that's been valuable or that's maybe gotten you thinking in a new way. If you're new here, so happy to have you as well. Today's episode is about community and we can't overlook that this podcast would not be possible without our community. Those of you that have inspired us to take this on, that have joined us as guests, um, those of you that have submitted ideas for future episodes, and even if you've just taken a listen to one or two episodes or maybe sent one on to some friends or colleagues you think would like them, we're so grateful and we love getting to have these conversations on our side, but what a gift to have you joining us in them. We are quickly coming up on the end of a year that has been full of transitions and change for, I can assume, most of us. As you may know, we're a group of people that are passionate about the power of authentic human connection. And in times of change, that seems to be only more important. I've personally heard from across my various circles a renewed value for relationship and community as we've started to emerge from the pandemic era. Maybe you found a community during that time, or maybe you were able to hold on to one despite the social limitations, and now you can recognize how important it's been to your well-being to have those relationships. For many of us, it's simply caused a shift in perspective and maybe a renewed sense of gratitude. At the risk of being cliche, the holiday season is nearly upon us, and it's often a time when people start thinking a little bit more intentionally about what they're grateful for. And we're really encouraging people right now to think about who they have a genuine appreciation for. We're challenging ourselves, and we'd like to challenge you to actually put that appreciation into words and tell that person what you're grateful for about them and how they've contributed to your life. So often we keep those moments of gratitude to ourselves, but that right there is an opportunity not just for deeper human connection, but for giving something really powerful back to the people that have given something to you. For leaders, this is especially important. So often we're moving really fast from thing to thing, and the people we lead can feel like they get critique and advice a lot more often than they get appreciation for what they already do. Appreciation is itself fuel for improvement. It celebrates where we are and has the potential to renew our interest in further growth. If we let those moments pass us by, it's not just a missed opportunity for encouragement. It could contribute to further burnout and disconnection, a lack of engagement, it, we miss an opportunity just to indicate what's going well and what we'd like to see more of. We can't always assume that people know we appreciate what they do and who they are. If you just think about it for yourself, it feels really good to be seen and recognized for what you do and for the energy and care that you put into things. It confirms that at least something we're doing is valuable and making a difference. So not only do we want to do more of that thing, we may start looking out for new ways to add value. It's not just a fluffy, feel-good thing. It makes a tangible difference. So whoever you're thinking about right now, whether it's at work or in your personal life, make a note, make a reminder, put it on your calendar to go let them know that you appreciate them and be specific about what exactly you appreciate. It'll strengthen your relationship, build trust, and it can also help build community. So we chose to spend some time talking about community because we know it's an important part of building vitality in organizations or in any group of people that wants to achieve something together. We define vitality at conversant as the capacity to live, grow, or develop, or the presence of intellectual and physical vigor or energy. It can so often just be used to describe individuals, 
But we can build vitality across our relationships too. For organizations, we say that whoever masters vitality as a source of performance has an extraordinary competitive edge and provides a deeply satisfying life, not just for themselves, but for the people that they lead. We talk about this at length in our book, The Vitality Imperative, which you can find in a link um, and that we'll put in the show notes here if you're interested. But for today, we're going to focus on why community matters and how to build the kind of community that lends to personal and collective vitality. Welcome to another episode of On Connection. Today, I am lucky enough to be joined once again in person by the lovely Robin Anselmi and Mickey Connolly. And we're going to talk about community today. It's something I've been hearing a lot about both at work and in my personal life from other people. I think there might be an impact from the last year and a half of what we've all gone through. We're it, it's September 2021 right now, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just curious what we have to say about that and our different perspectives about the value of community, what it actually means, and how you create it in both organizations and in our lives. This is a topic we love talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <laughs> I actually would really love for you to start, Emma Rose, because I think this sense of community, the desire for community, I hear even more strongly from your generation than I think I heard from my own generation anyway. And I'm curious about that. So I'm just curious, what's your take? And again, this is a generational look at um, a variety of connecting topics. So for you, what's important about community for you personally, maybe to start with? Well, I think there's also just something about being at certain ages, I think different stages of life. I think I'm at that stage of life where pandemic or not, people start realizing it's hard to make friends and build a community in adulthood. Mm. Um, it's not just, just naturally created for you. Like when you're in school and, and some of us are lucky enough to have communities at work, but not everyone is. And now with this whole remote business, you might be feeling like you're lacking that. Um, but I've heard, well, and to back up, I think the last year and a half, I was actually just talking to your husband about this last (laughs) week, Robin, um, that part of why I think people are so fatigued right now is because of the disappointment of how the world and especially Americans have reacted to this mm. time of collective challenge. And you know that it would be wonderful if in that kind of world, we all come together against the common enemy and unite and have stronger bonds. And, um, and yet that we've seen a lot of selfishness and, um, turning away from others and clinging and a lot of scarcity mentality. Um, but in that it's also been met with, I've been surprised by how many people have said, I have this really strong sense of, of value for community now that I didn't realize, or maybe wasn't quite as conscious of prior to the pandemic. I've experienced that myself. Um, and just how important it is to my personal well-being, and I'm seeing how important it is to others' well-beings. Um, but I think online communities too—that's um, something that is unique to or started with my generation. 
Facebook groups or, you know, following each other on people meeting over social media and create forging strong relationships and friendships that way. Um, What's an example, Emma Rose, of what you just referred to that you have your own examples of where community is valuable to you. Uh So what during this last year and a half is an example of that? What's one that you say that community nurtures, it energizes, it strengthens? Um, Well, I have two examples. One being conversant. I think we did a great job actually of, of forging community or prioritizing that throughout this time. And I think we're actually better off and stronger for it. Um, which I might ask you guys to talk about cause we've been sharing a bit about that recently. Um, and the second example, which I'm probably going to get made fun of for <laughs> is I joined a CrossFit gym this year. <laughs> um, which the joke is that everybody knows you do CrossFit because you always tell them that you do CrossFit. <laughs> um, but I, I've really found that, and I think it might be special to my gym culture, I'm not sure, but just the the welcome that was given freely, the support of one another, the interest in getting to know you as a human being and as an individual and um, being in something together. It's just, it's been a very healing and I think positive experience for me. So shout out to MBS CrossFit in Broomfield, Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. What about you guys? What do you think is an example or what does it mean to you? What does community mean for you? Okay. Uh, Let me start with what does it mean? Mm -hmm. And then I'd like to come up with examples that are something other than the self-aggrandizing conversant. Why, that's an amazing... I know. That's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I mean, as the two of you know, we've spent a lot of years looking at what are the things that holds people together when life threatens to tear them apart. (laughs) So we've looked into this issue a lot. Where is it present and where it's missing? That There's a bond like that that's stronger than trouble. (laughs) And part of what I've been very interested in is what has us care about that? Why why do I want that? And I actually think that if you look at the extreme opposite of it, that one of the most prominent punishments in cultures around the world are to ostracize people, Mm -hmm. like to throw you out of the community. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, that's interesting. Uh, solitary confinement in the prison system. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's a message there that there's something precious that gets lost there. Mm. I think communities can be functional or dysfunctional because mm. anything that's got an enduring reason for existence can create community. Now, is the community <laughs> toxic? <laughs> you know, there are lots of different things. But from my perspective, what draws me to it is that I'm, I operate at the higher reaches of my character in community than I do under my own recognizance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I think that when we're in something together that we're proud to be a part of, that you start realizing, I want to live up to that with you. 
And the openness, the candor, the transparency in a healthy community keeps calling me to be what we say we want to stand for and aren't all perfect all the time. You know, Robin, you said earlier, I forget how you said it, we were talking before, but we're not all idiots at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) That that's a part of it for me. Mm. And being called to operate at the higher regions rather than you said earlier, selfishness. I think community, a healthy community is the antidote to my bias perspective and potential selfishness. Mm. And I find that when I'm operating at that higher reaches because of all of you, there's just less stress in my life. I feel like more things happen with less, as we talk about a lot, time, money, and stress. <laughs> uh, so that's the reason. I, I like myself better in the context of a community that's constituted for something that we're all proud of and want to do our best to be true to. Mm-hmm. And liking myself better it feels like a good <laughs> <laughs> ingredient in my life because I have had times when I wasn't too proud of that boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, then do you have an example in your own life other um, than conversant? Of different times. I've been through so many different things. <laughs> um, you know, years ago was... Y'all know I was in the restaurant business. And there was a core of us, um, Larry Foles and Guy Villavaso and me and other people who were a part of that, who are the standards we had for service were something that called me to a different level of operation. Uh, you know, that we all wanted people to be happy they were where they are. Mm-hmm. And Larry and Guy in their restaurants carry this on today in a way that I love going in any of their places just because I feel that same way. But there was that spirit of, I think what brought us together is we want to create a hospitable environment people are happy they're in. Mm-hmm. And the ingredients were the food and the service but I just know that if I didn't have Larry and Guy and the other people in that system, I would not have been equal to the standards that we set. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's an example for me. Um, also, you know, years ago, it was the groups of people that I was with where I was originally learning a lot about communication and negotiation, you know, prior to conversant. There was the same thing. You know, the standard was uh, whatever difficulty we get into, the group is potentially smarter than any individual in it. And that led to a standard of behavior. Like if you got to I don't know, it just was an occasion for a conversation rather than I don't know. (laughs) Or there must be some we that's smarter than me. That held that group together and under sometimes really difficult conditions where it looked 
ugly and impossible. So those are a couple examples for me. Mm. Robin, what about you? Well, I, I echo, would echo everything Mickey just said about why do, why do I personally value community, right? Mm -hmm. It is this sense of being part of something. Mm. Um, we love quoting all of our friends and colleagues. Jim Matroni always lo loves to say, none of us want to have on our tombstone didn't matter much. Right. And I think being part of a community actually gives you a sense of being part of something more than what my life would add up to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's actually this feeling of like, oh, like we're doing and particularly if we're doing something that that matters and matters to one another. Um, so, Mick, I think that for me is, you know, what called called to me and the what you were just saying is be, really being part of something but also that sense of belonging, right? Mm -hmm. That I think as human beings, we long for belonging, mm -hmm. right? To be part of something, to feel accepted, to feel, you know, loved in the good and the hard times, right? And I think that community creates that, creates a sense of like, oh, there's a, there's a space for me um, on this orb that's, you know, spinning through the galaxy. Like there's a, there's a place here that's mm -hmm. mine with people that are, you know, like-minded and thinking about similar things for a purpose together. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, those are the things that sort of come up for me about it. That spirit of looking out for one another, I didn't say explicitly, but what you just said, Robin, really, I think that is a crucial element of what makes a community healthy, makes it a source of vitality. Mm. Uh, and as you said, in good times and bad, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've used this example in anything we've done together before. And if so, and you've heard this before, uh, get something really new out of it. <laughs> but you just reminded me of years ago, I won't say the client system we were in, but we were in a very difficult situation with a very large company who was asking us to intervene in a problem they had, which is they'd had a bunch of acquisitions, which gave them a fragmented culture. And the problem was what was fragmented was safety. And this was an organization in which this was a big, big deal. And there had been some huge breakdowns that included loss of life. So they were asking us to work with leaders all over the world to create this common, you could say, safety community. Mm. And there were a couple people who intervened in the design process that I got uh, annoyed would be too kind of a word. <laughs> you know, I got seriously triggered. Like, who the hell do you think you are? You have no idea what you're talking about. You're just coming in there with your fancy position power and you're going to tell us what to do to do this. And so we had a meeting with our internal team in which I announced, occasionally we've resigned clients that I don't want to work with, and this is one of those times. I'm not willing to have these people step in who don't know shit about what we're doing and deciding what's good, what's bad. And Susan Burgess, <laughs> one of our beloved colleagues, stepped in and said... Mickey, you've asked us in the past to stand in the possibility that no matter how wretched the situation, it is fulfillable from here. You sound to me like you've given up 
and you're trying to convince the rest of us to do that too. I don't hear anything about it's fulfillable from here. Is there a chance for us to be smarter together about this? We were on the phone when this happened. My memory of it, though, is like Susan was next to me and she slapped my face. <laughs> <laughs> Which she would never do. You know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and what happened was it just stopped the dysfunction. Mm. And we actually took a breath and looked at what's the real situation. We came up with approaches. And as y'all know, it became a, a huge and successful intervention that involved working with 20,000 people around the world. Mm -hmm. The impact we were able to make there could not have happened without Susan looking out for me in a way that didn't feel comfortable or congratulatory at the moment. Mm -hmm. So when you said looking out for one another in good times and bad, that just came back to me. That I think yeah. that was an act of love on Susan's part. Well, and there's something about, actually, I, I think I want to take a moment to read the definition that we've given to community in our book, The Vitality Imperative, in which we say that community co contribution, the ability for people to contribute in a meaningful and unique way to them, um, and choice. The, the power to have a choice in that contribution and how you participate in the community um, are three critical ingredients to vitality in any organization or collection of human beings. Um, but so I'll just read the definition. Um, community is a sense of belonging, Robin, rooted in common values and common purpose. The experience of being in this together and looking out for one another on the journey to a shared achievement. Mm -hmm. And, We've spoken to a lot of that already, but I just wanted to highlight the function in that was there was something that Susan could call out that was a shared value, a shared purpose that you were previously aware of that could be the gravity pulling you back into what you actually want to be, how you want to show up. Um, it's not just Susan coming around and saying, I don't like how you're acting right now. <laughs> That's different. Well, because it goes back to what Mickey was saying a few minutes ago about calling to your better self, right? right. Um, one of our other colleagues, Michelle Wansley, has been talking to me about the difference between calling out, calling in, calling to. Mm. So there's something, right? So like, you know, calling out has people feel bad. Calling in, she said, well, while it's helpful, it still has a sense of uh, an air of judgment. Like I'm in the right, you're in the wrong, come join me. Calling to, right? Like calling to the, the higher self, right? That's really what Susan was doing in that case is she was calling to who you are in your best moments, not mm. the pile of elements and grievances <laughs> right. that you were in that particular moment, right? right? So it was really calling to who she knows you to be, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I really like that idea that community actually calls to one another to be at their best, right? And supports you on the days when you're not. Well, and I, I really love that distinction because it also, we talk a lot about what are you for rather than what you're against and that yeah. there's a lot more power in trying to presence yourself to what you're for, um, we were before in the pre-show here trying to chat about what qualifies as a community. And, um, I wonder in these communities where there's a lot of communities, quote unquote, where there's a lot of legalism around mm -hmm. like whether or not you deserve to be a part of whether you do belong and you need to adhere to these kinds of rules. 
I wonder, would we consider that a strong community? Um, cause that's a lot more calling out, calling out. Right. Um, right. Well, I, for me, part of what that goes back to, you said right at the start of this, right. That during COVID, particularly here in the States, that there's been a lot of fracture. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think in, at a, this is a sort of a macro of what happens in so many organizations when they use a burning platform as a way to try to bring people together. Right. And so if you use it as a burning platform, you, I think you wind up with a lot of defensiveness and people being scared and afraid. And so I think when you have communities where there's sort of all these rules, people are actually scared and afraid of being ejected from the community as opposed to being helped along to be part of the community, right? So for me, it, it, is it is it a community? Maybe it's, so I think it still holds as a community, but I don't know, Does do those rules serve to create belonging, right? right? And I worry that in places where there's sort of rules or guidelines, it doesn't, it actually serves to create whatever the opposite of belonging is, right? right. So the ways to, uh, to hold people out versus have people join mm -hmm. with. Well, and that's counter to choice, because right. like, that's the choice element of vitality. Yeah. And we're going to do some other episodes where we dive deeper into contribution and choice, too. But they are very interconnected, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Right now, I'm in the middle of a client engagement where there are bylaws that people mm -hmm. are concerned about that have been violated, mm. which you remind me of when you ask that question. Where those bylaws came from, though, was a really beautifully defined purpose. Right. Okay. Yeah. And a set of principles. Mm -hmm. And so, what's happened? There's a task force that's come together for this organization to look at what have we learned in the three years since we did the last iteration of our charter. And all we had to do is just return everybody to the purpose and principles that constituted the place in the first place. And the bylaws now just become a support system for reminding us of what we promised to one another. Right. But just looking at the bylaws on the, by themselves, right. you could tell it felt dangerous. And as soon as they returned to what are the principles and the purpose those principles came from that had us create these bylaws, everything unlocks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it becomes a source of judgment. So... The laws by themselves, without being present to the purposes we are preserving and protecting with those laws, I think are dangerous. Mm -hmm. They can be an act of service. They keep reminding us of who we promise to be. But that's a delicate world. Laws well, without purpose are dangerous. Because over time, I think... We <laughs> You know, we're forgetful beings, right? So, like, <laughs> we create a purpose. We have the bylaws that go alongside of it. We somehow, along the way, latch onto the bylaws, forget the spirit with which they were created, right? right? The intention behind them or the people in it change or, 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 right? There's a myriad of explanations for it. But inside of all of that, I think the heart of what you're saying is community really is aligned around purpose, right? Al aligned around what is it that they're in together, which I think... It also goes back to your comment earlier about ones that are, um, I forget the words you used earlier, but like healthy, some more healthy communities. Cause I think there are some that are aligned around purposes that 
I would personally not endorse, right? Or purposely are really around sort of exclusion or creating harm, right? Right. So and are, would they say that they're a community? Maybe. I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, it, it can be uh, forces for good or forces, forces for, for evil. evil. I right. mean, That's there's right. a reason why um, cults, um, why terrorist organizations, which I've done research on in the past, there's that sense of belonging. Like mm -hmm. it's so innate in us. And actually, um, Dax Shepard had an, an episode with, um, on his podcast with Brene Brown, where he asked the question, like, why is it that we have this visceral reaction to the possibility of rejection? Mm. And it really is what you were saying at the beginning about we can't, we wouldn't survive mm -hmm. if we didn't have one another, yeah. if we really were completely ostracized and isolated. And I wonder if this revival of a value of community is from this time where people were isolated and shouldering burdens seemingly by themselves mm -hmm. and feeling very disconnected and purposeless potentially. Um, so I hope maybe this is a renewal. Also, I love, can you share your example of community, please? Because yeah. <laughs> I think it's also a really good. Well, I was also going to quote our colleague, Carolyn French, who says like, we don't get out much, right? Like we are a group <laughs> of people that are, um, we love the community that we're in. So while you, Mickey, you said like, well, we don't want to be self-aggrandizing, but we're also pretty proud of sort of the space that we're in. Um, uh, and so I'll actually want to share too, because I think there are some things that we did this year that have been really intentional around creating community here at Conversant in uh, this world of, of hybrid, of really creating a place of support for one another, both in terms of um, restating our vision and values and then really doing a deep exploration of what do those mean to us, I think has been a way for us to really bring front and center, both the purpose, but the shared values that we want to be in together. And that that's had a really big impact on the community. So I don't, I like, I'm not self-aggrandizing and I think it's an important example. But the other one that I um, love to share is that I have been in the same book club for, it'll be 20 years in September. And the reason I know that is because it started when my youngest, Ethan, who turns 20, just shocking, um, was in an infant carrier. So, um, and it's a group of women. There's 10 of us that have been in the same book club for 20 years, which is really in my mind, shocking, right? And Rose, as you said earlier, there are a lot of marriages that don't last yeah, no, that that's long. Pretty impressive. <laughs> um, and it really, it started as a group of women who all had small children, so like mine mm. is the youngest. So Ethan is actually the baby of the 20 of us. So he is the youngest uh, of all of our children. So we, but we've been through divorces and uh, deaths and graduations and weddings. So now we have, you know, children that are getting married, but it's been a support network both for all of us, but also for our love of reading, right? Mm -hmm. And that we all love reading different things. And we've really, uh, you know, we ask each other to read things that none of us would have read. We hotly debate them. We drink wine, right? Um, and, um, you know, some of the, one of my very dearest friends is in it and she and I had a fight over a book a problem that lives in infamy because we had a raging debate about a topic in one of the books about would you want to find out if you had... Um, a catastrophic disease, right? Would you want to know in advance? And she and I hotly debate. So it lives in, that lives in infamy as a like part of the group of like calling to our best selves to actually really explore the topics. And some of them are just fun and light and we right. move on. So. Well, but I, I love that because there's, it also reveals that there's something about common circumstances too, that can contribute to community. Like, yes, common values, 
common purpose. Um, but something about sharing in one another's circumstances and yeah. seeing each other go through it. Also getting to learn from each other's perspectives about different topics, yeah, you know, that's right. um, I mean, what else from, since that's such a long lasting thing, what are, what do you think have been the ingredients to that being so sustainable over this time? Uh, it's a great question. And I thought about it a lot because lots of people start book clubs. Like it happens all, particularly oh, yeah. 20 years ago, that was a thing. Like everybody started them. So like, And then you what? realize you have to read a 300 page book oh. and then you show up and you haven't read it and then you That's feel right. embarrassed and then you stop going. <laughs> <laughs> we share the load. So there's a very structured way that w in which it's the books are selected and where it happens. And it's, I only host about once a year. So like everybody, you only have to do one. So you, we, we really share the work. Um, there is a lot of acceptance and understanding. I travel a lot for my work, not so much in the last 18 months, but people know, like, I'm going to do my very best to be there. And there are going to be times when I just can't, mm -hmm. and there's no judgment about that. There's a lot of acceptance and, and understanding. Um, so I think that's the second ingredient. So share the load, acceptance and understanding. I think the third is the diversity of the points of view. So like, while we are all from sort of the same community, like we have radically different tastes in books. Um, one of the members, Colleen picked a book 15 years ago that we have not let her live down because everybody hated it, but it has been a source of joy to actually, it comes up in every club since then. <laughs> uh, so, because we all pick something different and so it gives us a chance to really learn from one another. So I think, I think those are some of the big ingredients. Um, wine doesn't hurt. Well, yeah, no, never, <laughs> never. Yeah, I think part of the design of community Mm -hmm. is you have to create occasions for people to experience the benefit of the community. Mm. So there you have a rhythm that's present in which you've designed places where you get to have those experiences that you just talked about. So I think that's one element of this that's important. It's not just the esoteric nature of there's purpose and values that, yeah, well, where's the places, where are the places where we get to come together and be that? Mm -hmm. So I think rhythm, routine is also a, an aspect of community. I, I want to go back, Emrose, to something you brought up a few minutes ago. As both of you know, something we've said for many, many years is every villain is a hero in their own story. So when we talk about terrorists or other people that I think, <laughs> you know, don't live up to my exalted standards. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, I think there's some compassion for the need for belonging that can be so overwhelming that people will connect to something that from our perspective looks dysfunctional and bad. It tells you how deep the longing is. Mm. Now, the question is, in what community can you really hear yourself? And I think one of the counterintuitive natures of a healthy community is it's constituted by people who can think for themselves, mm -hmm. who are making a witting choice about who I am, what actually feeds me, energizes me, gives me the life I'm proud to live. Because without that kind of self scrutiny, that self-awareness, the thoughtless bonding can be dangerous. 
Mm-hmm. So I think healthy community actually starts with individuality. Now, that's the difference between individualism, like individuality is a disease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're talking, Robin, about in the book club, you have very individual distinctions. They're honored. They're learned from. Mm-hmm. And people standing in their respected individuality find a common place that is of such magnetic attraction that it has endured for two decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really important because I'm also thinking now to, I think that's really the, the, just the shift at this point in my life in the communities I'm a part of now is feeling like I have a stronger sense of self and an opportunity to express and contribute that. Whereas in the past, I can think of communities where I, I felt that longing to be with people and there was this almost mindless conforming, I think, that happened to what everybody else is doing, what they like, what they care about, you know? And, and these are, the thing about community too is it's who you're choosing to share your life with mm. a lot of the time. Mm. I mean, we work for what, like 90% of our time? <laughs> um, we're waking, sharing waking our, time anyway, yeah. right? <laughs> we're sharing our life with each other. And I think that's significant. But then, so then are we letting our life get shaped by the community in a way that we want it to go? Or are we getting carried away by it because of that draw to be a part? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I think for so much of the work that we do with clients, right, and why this is such an important topic for us is how do you have that individual nature, but also come together in that sense of belonging inside of what can feel like uh, being a, instead of being a cog in a machine, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think people want more than that now. Mm -hmm. And so some of this is how do you have it, the individual contribution that I have to make actually take a place inside of something that I'm proud of. And that that takes us to also be paying attention to and where is that going, right? So it's not just proud of it in this moment. It's also proud of like, where's it going and what's the natural evolution of that. And that takes all of us getting smarter and actually seeing like who else needs to be added to the community, right? So your example of Patrick this morning, right? So new ears, new eyes into a challenge as part of the community to actually be able to see new things. So I think that's the other thing about communities is how do you keep having it fresh and alive for, for folks, right. right. To sort of get out of that potential for, you know, group think, right. Mm-hmm. And particularly in organizational life, I think that's so critically important. Yeah. Makes me think about, and this is probably for another time, but the difference between integration and conf- conforming. Forming, right. That's right. Um, but- well, I think that's a powerful distinction. I also think it's worth mentioning that Community doesn't equal affinity. Mm -hmm. And I hear throughout this year and I've read throughout this year, all these people talking about how are we creating a sense of community and it's virtual happy hour. It's the day we all wear hats. It's the day we had the conversation (laughs) where if you were a car, what car would you be? I Uh, mean, the hats one was pretty fun. Pretty fun. The hats (laughs) was pretty fun. (laughs) And all that is fun. It's it's sense There's of levity affinity. and yeah. Yeah, and, and that's great. I, yeah. All a kick. And affinity and community are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So for what? Like when we're wearing hats, 
I remember when we were going through this hat thing this last year, and Robin, one of the things you talked about is, boy, is this a celebration of difference. The weird shit that people <laughs> have in their houses. <laughs> Why do you have that in your house was my really yeah. one of the questions. Explain that to me. Yeah. And their stories. And the it's stories. The stories right. And what would have you put keep that- it? I can see yeah. if it fell on you by accident, but you're yeah. actually keeping it. Yeah. And when you did that, you know one of the fundamental principles for us is difference. Mm-hmm. And the differences plus trust equal brilliance. You actually turned that hilarity into an acknowledgement of difference. Mm-hmm. That to me gives that a very different impact than if it's just, wow, your hat's weird. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, we were also talking about compared to your book club, um, you know, like the ladies that you brunch with or the, right. the right. like, you know, yes, wine helps, but like, do you just get together to drink and, Bitch. Are they going to stick around <laughs> yep, and gossip about the people that aren't there? Right. Um, or, you know, when when bad stuff happens, are they still interested right. in being there with you in it? And I think that's a really excellent test for how deep, authentic, yeah. et cetera, the level of belonging actually is, you know? Well, I'll say one thing on that, and then I want to come back to the notion of affinity on this book club. Um, I got divorced in the middle of that 20-year period, Mm -hmm. and the book club was actually formed in a neighborhood that I no longer live in. Mm -hmm. And so that was actually, well, it doesn't seem like it should be that big a deal. Like, literally everyone else lives in the other neighborhood, and I do not. And so that really was a task, because the big joke is, oh, now we have to take a field trip to go to Robbins, right? Because you have to get in your car to go there. You can't just walk down the block. So while that's not a big stretch, it was it was one. And I'm the only one who is divorced among those women, right? So divorced, remarried. There, that was a journey for me to go on. And that was had me be separate from them during that period of time, just from a all our husbands knew one another, right? Ex, mm. So now my ex-husband, right? And so there's something about that that, to, like you said, it, 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 it did test it. And I'm still there 10 years it, later. I would imagine right. strengthened your trust in the Yeah, absolutely. Group. And what were you going to say about affinity? Well, on affinity, people say all the time, like, well, we're going to do bowling as like a team building, right? And I, I'm not against that, just to be clear. Like, you want to go bowling? It's great. I suck at it, so I'm not a big fan <laughs> of, of bowling personally. The question is, what are you in together that you're trying to create sort of connection around? And so, like, is bowling a sufficient level of connection for what you're in together? And I'm going to make a – I think we could make the case that in most of our organizational life, it's not sufficient. It's 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 too superficial of a connection given the work, the heavy lift of work in organizations to be able to pull off. Is it fine if I'm brunching? Sure, it's fine because what we're in together is going to brunch, right? Like that's that level of commitment and connection to one another and to the to working things out when it's hard, right? Is that's a much lower bar than in organizations when we're making really hard decisions about resources or about people's careers or about where we're going to put our time and our effort, right? Back to your point on, we spend a lot of time at work, right? And so how do we create community that's actually based in something that's deeper? And I think that takes thought and intentionality. And honestly, the happy hours are the, are an easy, like they're easy. They create fun in the moment. I'm just not sure that it's long lasting, that it actually will get us through the hard times. Mm -hmm. I think it's insufficient for that. 
Well, and it's more fun when you've been through the hard times with people and then you get to have the happy hour. Also, I mean, one thing that's coming to mind too, just as a danger of the ways that we bond, I think, especially in organizational life is the complaining, the bitching, the gossiping, especially when you're new or you're feeling that anxiety around, do I really belong? Do people really like me? That can be an easy, um, a cheap way of building a relationship that's that's actually quite toxic to community. Um, but I think it can give you that, that dose of like, Oh, I I do belong, which it's just coming up for me as a little. Yeah. There, I think there's faux belonging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the last thing that I want to say at this time about this, that you just reminded me of, so I'm going to mirror what Robin said about, I'm not against fun. Yeah. <laughs> we like fun. Uh, We're very fun. I like that line I'm from... I'm not that fun. No, you are, you are too. You're so fun. I like that line from a Sleep at the Wheel song. There's a whole lot of things that we ain't done, but we ain't never had too much fun. So I'm, I'm Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time that Mickey Connolly has sung on the podcast. Yeah. So How is that even possible? I don't know. It happens all the time. <laughs> what it reminds me of, though, is one of our favorite things that we've done over the last almost 20 years now, you know, is a program with very senior leaders where one of the experiences in it is they learn to cut hern and pen cattle and then we create a rodeo (laughs) in which they do that and these people who are leaders in their own organizations talk about it as one of the most fun weeks of their life it's all in the context of learning what does it mean to manage connection as a source of leadership Mm And they have to learn to connect with a horse in the way that the horse wants to help them and wants to respond to them. Then they have to learn to connect with other people on their horses so they can do things together. Then they have to learn to connect with cows, and cows don't connect the way horses do or the way humans do. So you're dealing with very different ways of connecting, and it ends up being, it is hysterical and fun and energizing, and people have been through it Tell us years later, it still remains one of the most prominent memories of their leadership development life, and it's a kick. Mm-hmm. It just fits, Robin, with what you said. There is a basis for it. That's right. And yeah. those weeks, can we possibly have more fun? Those weeks are hysterical. That's well, right. And there's something, there is joy in doing something, like achieving something challenging together in maybe a playful way. Yeah. But absolutely. that's different than just going to happy hour you're you're in you're 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 participating as a team in something well it's also the context of that right yeah and by the way if you are more if you have interest in that it's called credibility influence and impact and we are very excited that it's going to be coming again in 2022 so yeah we had to to stop that little deal during the covid crisis and we are now very hopeful that that crisis has abated well, <laughs> in yeah, time we'll for spring see. Again, it's, it's September 2021, <laughs> so we are not holding ourselves to anything. But, but yeah, spring 2022 yes. for CII to come back, which yeah. is exciting. Um, well, I think this was a really great conversation. And, I mean, we could talk about this for, I think, weeks. W- weeks. And, <laughs> and also just the interplay between community and the the opportunity for people to contribute and their choice 
to do so. Um, so we'll definitely be building on this in future episodes. Uh, any, well, we always finish with something that we learned. So what did you learn from today? Well, in this conversation, I, I think it's, it's more like recovery of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from both of you, what I kept getting struck by is this notion of there's only authentic individuality that builds real community. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking that coming in here. It, when I said that earlier, I was reacting to the things that each of you said mm-hmm. that it hit me. This is not this thoughtless belonging. This is it's actually constituted by people who can think for themselves. And I really had lost touch with that. Mm. And y'all gave it back to me. So mm. I said it out loud. <laughs> well, that was actually going to be my insight as well. The, the just how important it is to be curious about people as individuals and learn about them and what they uniquely express and offer. And that that's, so important and to see that in yourself and bring that too is, mm-hmm. is a really key part to healthy community. What about you? I think for me, the spotlight today, and again, maybe it's a relearning or a remembering, um, is community really calling to higher self, right? Like really mm-hmm. does call to, for us to be at our best in service of something that we're in together. Right. Yeah. And so I, that was a great reminder for me today. Good. Thanks. Well, you too. Thank you so much for joining us again. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This episode was produced by Guy Connolly. Original artwork is by Dana Buckingham, and music is by a cast of characters. Special thanks to Conversant's extended community who inspire the continued evolution of our work and stand with us in our commitment to change leadership, business, and the world through conversation. You can learn more about Conversant at www.conversant.com. On Connection is created and produced by the members of Conversant, awakening the world to the power and joy of authentic human connection. We set a new standard for leadership that produces meaningful, enduring impact. Until next time.